0: Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order.
1: What up? This is Bear Grylls and you're listening to Rebel Radio. Fuck you, Josh. What's up, this is Rebel Radio. What up, what up, this is DJ Newmark. This is Tina Butterwolf. It's your boy, it's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Oh. Rebel Radio is going down. Would you say, Rebel Radio? Oh, wait, let's do it again. Rebel Radio.
2: What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the Rebels who are shaping our culture. I'm your host, Josh Levine. Today I have in studio with me Bear Grylls. Actually, we were over uh uh, chat video chat not um you know nothing in person these days but uh Bear Grylls is uh he's a Denmark artist one of our many Denmark artists that we've had on the show um if you're not familiar with this dude is a great story it's one of the things I love about doing this show is meeting people like this so Bear Grylls if you don't know he's a popular dubstep DJ producer he DJs wearing a bear head costume. So if you've seen Marshmallow, you've seen Daft Punk, you've seen Dead Mouse, uh, my man is, is rocking the bear head. But you know, y- you're tempted maybe to have certain assumptions about a guy that wears a costume to DJ. This dude is, he's first of all, he's about his business. So he's got a great story he shares with us about starting out as a club promoter, throwing parties then booking tours for other DJs and then deciding, hey, I'm doing all this work, why don't I book myself? And uh, and that's literally how he became a DJ and now he's making his own music and all that. So, you know, one of the things we always talk about in this show is how important it is to know your business because that's what gives you the freedom to to do your creativity, right? If your business isn't right, it's going to come back and haunt your creative process. So, um, so I love that and then uh, and then we talk about some really personal issues um, for him about mental health. And again, kind of a little bit deeper than I expected to go um, as we went into the interview. So that's what that's what I love about this show. Hopefully you'll love it too. Let's do it. Uh,
1: these past seven years touring, I've probably spent about 11 months total of the whole year on the road. So I'm home for 30 days. So. Sure everyone's home and you know i'm just trying to get as much stuff done as i can with other people because uh this time is going to last forever
2: absolutely no i mean that's uh, that's a great uh point that you know there's there's um you know it's easy to to just get caught up in the negative side of of what's happening and obviously there is a lot of that but uh but there's also good things that can come out of it too and having time at home or or being uh, you know, even for us with this show, right? Like, there's, there's a lot of people that are available now because they're home, right? They're not on the road or whatever.
1: Yeah, definitely, and and that's that's the one thing I've been telling all my friends, uh, all my DJ friends, and all my family is that I've been touring nonstop for six years. You know, last year I flew three hundred thousand miles. Wow. I was I I lived in a plane. Um, I think I spent almost two hundred nights in a hotels. 200 plus. Um, and I, I've been telling everybody, you know, Hey, I'm getting older. It's been, it's been long. I know what the road does to my mental health. That's been an issue the last year or so. Um, I'm really, I'm, I'm really looking at this time to sort of just sit in front of the TV and, you know, recoup because it's easy for me to, to be afraid and say, Oh, I'm not making money. I don't have shows until July. Right. Um, I think, I think for me, I preach positivity and all this stuff, um, online. So for me, I have just been trying to stay as positive as possible and trying to use this time to, to recover. Cause I think I did, I think I did eight different runs in China last year, two in Australia, wow. one in Europe. So I, I just, you know, I wake up, I've, I've probably watched every movie already, <laughs> um, done everything that I've wanted to do the last seven years. I think I'll be definitely finally be well rested after this.
2: That's great that's amazing well I want to dig into some of that with you I'm, I'm definitely uh, you know I've been talking with Mike Jones at Jim Mack about you for a while Mike's the homie and um, nice and so I'm, I'm excited to dig into some of your story but uh, if you don't mind take me back to the very beginning um, do you remember the first record that you ever bought for yourself
1: yeah well so I, I grew up in the 90s and I, I, the first record I ever bought was uh, The Chronic Dr. Dre The nice. Chronic
0: wake up jumped
1: out my bed i'm in a two-man cell with my homie little half dead murder
0: was the case that they gave me dear god i wonder can you save me
1: and i i grew up in long beach california and as you know snoop dog is sure. from long beach california and i went to the same high school so during that that time period i was definitely into gangster rap because yeah. i grew up in long beach and that's I don't want to say it's the birthplace but you know Compton Long Beach kind of mm-hmm. kind of where it all started and uh Sublime Bradley Knoll, actually went to my high school as well so I was oh, wow. really big in I was really big into these house bands L- Long Beach had this like such great house band culture you know we'd go to a party and Sublime would be playing in the backyard, and or uh, Real Big Fish, or you right. know, some of these bands that actually made it pretty big. Like a kid I went to high school with who I'm actually really good friends with today, David Forrell he uh, is in the Dirty Heads, he's the bassist in the Dirty Heads. So okay. long, my high school has a, a great music program and has uh, put out so many great musicians.
2: I mean, that's amazing. First of all, just starting, you know, starting with the Chronic, you know, one of the best albums of all time. In any genre, um, you know that's a that's a great way to kick off a lifelong love of music. I'm sure, and um, and so yeah, I, I can only imagine what it's like growing up in Long Beach in that era. Um, you know, I got to, I, I had a chance to work with Mac Ten a little bit back in the day, and you know, I know there was just a, a this explosion out of out of Long Beach and, and Compton and all that. Um, Must have been amazing.
1: Yeah, and I, I just I think I just read yesterday that the chronic got added to the Library of Congress.
2: Yeah, yeah, I saw that's that. pretty.
1: That's pretty insane. That's great
2: for sure. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I you know I was in college when that record came out, and uh, you know the it, it, you know obviously it's such a different time in music now, but you know if you if you remember just the impact that that record had on on everybody, you know from the from the law enforcement that was, you know, like there was whatever, the, I forget exactly, but there was like a lawsuit against Time Warner over that record and, yeah. you know, and what it meant to fans and what it meant to, you know, artists and aspiring artists, you know, it's just like Dre came and set the bar for everybody.
1: Um, Definitely. It was, you know, it was cool to sort of, I, I always felt like I had a piece of it because Snoop was from Long Beach and, you know, he, he the biggest records on the album were collabs with snoop and then the dog father came out i think the following year and that yeah. was when it just for me personally was when i really got into into the music i was actually an athlete in high school so what'd you play i was i played baseball oh cool played baseball in high school and college and my dad was actually a musician he was in a band he was a lead singer guitarist of a band for 20 years oh cool not like a not like a he didn't he I mean, he made money off it, but it wasn't his full-time job. So he kind of did that on the side yeah. for a while and never really toured. But I just remember growing up, my dad singing and playing guitar. So I, I always felt like I had the music in me, but mm-hmm. I always I wanted to be an athlete. I Growing up, you know, athletes so much cooler than a musician. <laughs> in, a, in a child's eyes, I guess. Sure.
2: I want to talk to you about Fiverr. You know, for 2020, there's no such thing as business as usual. Every company I know, every company you know, is figuring out new ways of getting things done. We're working remote, some companies are downsizing, all the events are moving to virtual, even this show. We used to record every episode face-to-face, now we're doing video chat, phone chat, et cetera, et cetera. If you own a business, pivoting quickly is hard enough but finding the right people that you can trust to make it happen, that's the key to success. Fiverr is a great freelancing platform that helps you find talent to build your online presence fast. Whether it's building your first website, designing social graphics, you gotta have the right people and getting the wrong people is disruptive to your business. So Fiverr lets you hire freelancers who have proven track records and clear pricing. You're not in the dark, you're not haggling. It just makes everything easier. Use Fiverr to connect with freelancers offering hundreds of digital services from graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, uh, pretty much anything you need done that can be done remote, which is, as we've learned, is everything uh, you can do on Fiverr. You can work with confidence, knowing exactly what you're paying for upfront. The payments are released to freelancers once you've approved the work. They have 24-7 customer service, so anytime you have an issue, Fiverr is there to help you. Find talent today at fiverr.com and get 10% off your first order using our code rebel radio. All the digital services you need are in one place at fiverr.com code rebel radio. Again, that's fiverr.com code rebel radio. So how'd you get started then making music?
1: So actually it's kind of a long and evolving story, but I graduated from UC San Diego, uh, pre public law political science degree wanted to to go to law school and during the time i wanted to study for my lsat i didn't want to work so i moved back to long beach from la jolla and i had a good friend of mine he was this asian guy and he was throwing parties at hotel uh like hotel uh, conference rooms or whatever and in high school i was i was the guy who threw those epic parties because my parents would allow us you know all my friends to come over and i i would have 500 kids in my house oh wow it would be these like slamming and i i would make these and i I remember my buddy and i we would make cds uh playlists and we would just have this cd changer five discs you know just going off all these these hits and songs that we will want everyone to dance to and we would Mm -hmm. set up a dance floor and I did that several times. And when I moved back, I was like, you know, I don't want to get that typical serving job at a restaurant and whatnot. And I had, I just happened to go to one of my buddies' parties. And I said, dude, I did this in high school. And I, I'm, I'm not kidding when I, I tell you, I used to have a friend that would have to stand at my front gate and turn people away because <laughs> it was just, too, it was just too crowded. So I, I kind of had the idea. I said, look, let me throw a part. Let me, let me throw one of these parties in this in this hotel. And I did that. I think I was like 21 years old and I made like five grand, you know, off this one party, 500 people showed up. Mm -hmm. Uh, then I, then I convinced a local restaurant that kind of had a bigger layout to let me bring in a DJ and charge money. At first he was kind of reluctant. Uh, he decided to do it. And then, you know, first, first one I ever threw 600 people, the bar, did the biggest numbers he'd ever and he comes back he's like i need this every single week so back in the early 2000s uh, there weren't many nightclubs in long beach and e- soon because of that uh, nightclubs started popping up so at a certain point i was running all four nightclubs in long beach the long beach magazine named me the most innovative mind of long beach because i had created a business out of nothing oh, that's amazing um I was throwing official Grand Prix parties. I actually had DJ AM come to Long Beach and play at a restaurant for nice. a grand a Grand Prix party because you know the Long Beach Grand Prix is a pretty big deal across sure. the world. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I did that. Uh, and I just kept growing. I, I grew this business uh, to thirteen different markets across the West Coast. I'm actually responsible uh, I threw the first EDM shows in like Eugene, Oregon, Chico, California. I just would come into most of these college towns when EDM was still still kind of um, controversial. You know, most of these venues didn't want to throw because of all the drugs that were associated with it. And right. I convinced all these concert venues in these college towns to let me throw it. And I decided to come up with a name, and the name was called Into the AM. And um, at that time, I had become friends with Steve Aoki because he would throw, he was throwing parties, I was throwing parties, so he would come down and DJ some of my parties as he was getting bigger. And you know, I kind of grew him in California. I did. He did a tour. I can't. I don't know which year, but two thousand and. 12 13 ish he did the dead meat tour and i mm-hmm. actually booked like 10 of those shows across the west coast oh nice so from that I, I had a name it was called into the am i decided to do a edm blog because a lot of those these blogs were super popping at that time like gotta dance dirty was a big one i don't know if you remember that yeah, one yeah of course I don't think those boys, those boys are still kind of influenced in EDM, but they don't have that blog anymore. Right. So I started the blog and then I decided, Hey, you know, I'm doing these big concerts for some of the biggest EDM artists. I should find talent and manage this talent because I can actually put them in front of DJs and kind of give them exposure. You know, if I'm booking Steve Aoki and I find this kid who is an amazing producer and a, a cool DJ, I can put him before Steve Aoki and you mm-hmm. know, blow him up and take a percentage of that and take a percentage of the party yada, yada, yada started into them clothing, uh, actually sold that to the amazing lights crew. Oh, cool. And that got, that guy went on to shark tank and got like almost $2 million from our cuban. So that's kind of cool.
2: <laughs> nice.
1: So anyway, I, I started doing that. I started managing some kids from across the country and, um, I just, you know, I, I went on tour with one of them. And I just kind of decided, I said, Hey, you know, I think I'm going to give this a shot because of who I know and you know, what I know from yeah. a marketing perspective and all this, I think I can create a brand that could be cool and, you know, kind of blow that up and do it myself instead of taking 15 or 20% from these kids, I'll take a hundred percent. So yeah, that, that, that was, yeah, that was born in 2013. Uh, bear girls was born in 2013. Um, and I mean, that's, that's pretty much how it started. I just, you know, was in the music industry. I don't think that if I didn't have prior experience, I don't think I would have been able to, to do what I have done with it.
2: No, I'm sure. I mean, that's a great story. Um, you know, having that, uh, you know, so, so many musicians get tripped up on the business side. Right. And, and then that ends up, Affecting their their creative output and and all of that, and so I think having that background in the business first is is uh, that's an incredible way to go. Um, and I, you know, I haven't. I know some people have done that, but uh, you, you know, you don't hear that too often. Usually, it's the other way around that people kind of start as an artist and then they find them, themselves in the business. Um, so, are there, you know, obviously, you took those relationships. Are there are there lessons that you had learned? uh, as a, as a promoter, as a manager that then you, you applied to your own career.
1: Definitely. I I just, I learned, you know, hype. I think hype and perception are the two biggest things for a, for a musician, Mm. um, especially for producers, because in my opinion, I know there's different DJs who stand out, who are more like turntablist types. But if you ask a lot of these producers, they don't consider themselves DJs. Sure. So, at the, so at the end of the day, you know, everybody's essentially playing the same music. You go to an excision show who is one of the biggest dubs, probably the biggest dubstep DJ in the world. Now Yeah. he's not playing any different music that Bear Grylls is playing or, you know, vice versa. Like right. we're all playing, we're all playing the hits aside from, some of his unreleased songs or some of my unreleased songs, we're all still playing essentially the same music. So there's a, there's a heightened perception for excision. You know, when you go to an excision show, you know what you're going to get, you're going to get crazy visuals and really loud and big, you know, watts of bass. Right. And so from that perspective, it's like you, you you have to differentiate yourself from, from that. So my idea was, Hey, I'm going to make and Play the same music that everybody else is playing, but I'm going to wear a bear head that lights up.
2: (laughs) Yeah, for sure.
1: And you know that that was step one for me is that I differentiated myself from everybody else because I could have just been some normal dude up there dressed like everybody else, DJing the same songs, and that wouldn't have made me stand out. But by putting a bear head on, that was like market 101. I could brand myself. The merch was going to be a, a hit because I could put a bear head on everything. Mm-hmm. And then num- number two was essentially as- associating myself with people who were a lot bigger and more known than me. Because one way to make make yourself to be perceived as a you know bigger and better is that, oh, he's hanging out with – Excision, or he has a song with Excision, or, right. you know, all these different things, or he's on tour with Excision. So, a lot of the early on steps, like, for example, I got lucky, but uh, Max Freeman, his, he's one of my best friends, he's actually my agent at mm-hmm. UTA, he was... At that time when I was running into the AM and I was managing several artists, he was just a kid from the South Bay, he was from Manhattan Beach that was throwing promoting shows on the Hermosa, Hermosa Beach Pier, and he was getting into booking. So he took all my guys that I was managing and we booked this independent 55-date North American North American tour that just absolutely crushed. Like it, Dope. you know, we were we were just two kids who had fucking no idea what we were doing. Uh, you know, going up against you know the William Morris's of the world, no idea what we we're doing. And booked fifty-five shows. We got in a minivan. There's eight of us in a minivan, shared one hotel room, and drove around the country for three months. And because of that tour, uh, Circle Talent Agency now, UTA, Steve Gordon right. saw that and hired Max Freeman to be on Circle. And when I started Bear Girls, I went to Max, he's one of my best friends, and said, Look, you're gonna you're gonna book Bear Girls, and he said no. He said, I can't. Circle is not gonna allow me just to, you know, book some random DJ that doesn't have the credibility. Mm. So I said, All right, cool. So I, I, I went out, I did I did everything I had to do, you know, I, I did the collabs with Dat Sick and I was on Firepower Records, Dat Sick's label. That long. That long. I went out, I used all my relationships. I took pictures with everybody. social media is the most powerful thing in my opinion at this point if you're if you're gonna have really good music that is just you know miles above everybody else, like for example, nightmare, nightmare was just a guy who was up there DJing, but his music was just better than everybody else's. Or, or Jaws, Sam, yeah. is another guy whose music stood out. If I was going to be a guy who was going to essentially be making the same type of music, I needed to stand out. So I had to be associated with all the people who were already at the top mm-hmm. in my you know respective field. So I did that. Grinded for a year i was booking my own shows because uh, of all the promoters that i had met through this one tour we booked and then finally steve gordon the owner of circle now at uta hit me up and said hey you know we like what you're doing we've known you for a while and we want to sign you with an agent and i said the only way i'm going to sign with you is if, if it's with max freeman nice because you know it's my best friend i wanted to work with somebody yeah who absolutely who I've dealt with before. And he still was very reluctant. He said, dude, I don't want to book you. You're wearing a a Halloween bear mask on going around DJing. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. But so I kind of forced myself into that situation. Steve Gordon, obviously being the owner said, no, 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 we're going to, I'm going to, you know, we're going to sign you make Max do it. And I, I think that relationship was the most important aspect of the, the the rise of bear girls because i could call max right. and i could say you know i want to do this this is the plan because most of these agents are so busy they just you know they'll they'll take shows especially in the development stage of dj's careers you know some uh, promoter sends in an offer they'll say yeah we'll take it sure but they're not actively going out and searching for shows right. for a, an act that's in a development stage but I was on the phone with him every day, pushing him, you know, we need shows. I don't care. I'll, I'll lose money. We'll do whatever it needs to be done. And we lost money for the first year and finally excision his very first, uh, the, the, he, he's kind of a sense of done a continuation of this tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's like year four or five now, but I was on the very first year of that tour and I made less than, what i was what i needed then i spent on that tour i lost money on that tour but it was one of the greatest opportunities because at that point you know his shows were still three to five thousand people so even though i was opening the show i was probably playing in front of fifteen hundred to three thousand people every night yeah it's great and that's in the development stage that was all i needed because i still you know six years later or four years from that tour, I still see the majority of people wearing excision merch at my shows. Sure, because you know that's where they—that's where they saw me for, for the first time.
2: So I have a couple of questions about the bear head. Um, for, I mean, you, you kind of talked about the 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 upside of it, right? Which is which is you know getting people's attention and and differentiating. Um, and I I can definitely see that. Um, Tell me about the downside of that decision. Uh, <laughs>
1: there's, there's definitely different perspective. There are different aspects of the downside of that decision, yes. Okay. So f- first, first, I think I'm on like the eighth iteration of the bear mm-hmm. suit. Very, very first suit. We'll talk about that one first. Uh, I, I found it on eBay. It was just a professional mascot costume that I paid 200 bucks. <laughs> and at that time... I was, uh, I wanted to remain anonymous, kind of what obviously Marshmallow does today. I didn't want people to know who I was because I didn't want people to say, oh, that's, that guy's already been in the, in the industry. He's just using his connections to, to grow, which I was doing, Mm. but you know, everybody needs, uh, an edge, I I guess, so to speak. So anyway, this bear head fit in a suitcase and it was just, you know, proper cloth and styrofoam Mm -hmm. and it smelled so bad after I, I think i wore this thing for two years
2: oh man
1: and it was it was taped together by duct tape and it was uh zip ties I, it was the whole night and i'll tell you i don't go one show in any city without one person mentioning how bad that bearhead smelled <laughs> Because it was like you, you knew when I was coming. If I opened that suitcase in in the backstage, it was like ho- instant hockey locker room.
2: I mean, I'm pretty sure bears are stinky, so it kind of
1: yeah, kind of works. For sure, yeah. So that that was the biggest thing is that it smelled bad, and it was obviously restricted my vision for DJing and whatnot. Yeah. And then the second the second coming of it is I added LED lights and a and a fan. So I had two fans, one that blew in and one that blew out, and mm you know first show i'm like dude all this thing is doing is blowing the hot air from the club inside the helmet so it didn't even it didn't even i guess you, when you're designing things you don't think about stuff like that cuz you think fan you think automatically it's cold but it doesn't right. produce it doesn't produce cold air it just blows air around mm-hmm. so that one i ended up paying like 8 grand for this helmet and it was a disaster it was just hot i couldn't breathe couldn't see giving me neck problems shoulder problems knee problems and then on top of that i had to check the suitcase or the 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 case of the bear head every time so you know whereas i would probably just carry on and save 45 minutes every flight which is four flights a week yeah Then um, I have this head. I'm playing a a show in Minneapolis, Minnesota at the Skyway Theater. It was my biggest sellout to date. I think it was like 2017. Sold it out. It was like 2,700 kids. And what I do at every show is I stand at the merch booth and say hey to people. And, you know, Mm -hmm. just meet people. I think it's important to connect with people, not just musically, but emotionally and personally. So stand at 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 the merch booth and this kid walks up with the same same look as the current bear head that i was wearing but it was about five inches tall and you know five inches deep and I, I picked this thing up and it's got you know perfect molding perfect paint perfect lights the led lights work and i i'm just astonished at this kid this kid's hmm. 19 years old and says yeah i made it for the top of my tree and i wanted to show you and so i'm talking with this guy cool. I'm like, how did how did you make this how you know how the hell would you I, I, you know, there's no chance I could do this. He said, I just learned, on, uh, I learned on YouTube. I learned how to mold and shape plastic. Then I learned how to paint it. I learned how to wire the lights and do all this stuff. And so I asked him, I said, straight up, dude, if it, you think you can make a, a a life size of this, he said, yeah, I'll, you know, give it a try, whatever. Mm. And he did. And it was, we basically just, I pay the cost of it and he's happy that he gets to make them, and I give him free yeah, tickets course. to all the shows, and uh, you know, I do do all these things for him, and he doesn't want money on top of all that stuff. Right. And he's made about four of them now for me. All the last four bear heads that I've had, he's made for me. That's amazing. Which is, is so cool.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I love that story, and I love the the evolution of that. So, and then I know, you know, I've, I've seen online, um, you know, at some point you decided to take it off and kind of reveal yourself on Jerry Springer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> t- tell me, tell me what happened after that, like the next day or as, as kind of word got out, um, how did that change things for you?
1: Yeah. Well, it definitely brought me a little bit more into the mainstream. Yeah. Uh, I was on the excision tour back 2016 again. And I had, I remember I had to leave the tour to go film the, Filmed the show, and of course they filmed it. I want to say in March, and it didn't air till the end of May. So it was a couple months in between. And um, at that point, kind of a funny story. I was still anonymous, obviously, so I hadn't even told my family yet. Oh wow! Because I didn't, I didn't want my family to worry, because you know kid says oh i want to be a musician that's you know uh, immediately they're thinking fail that's not Mm going to work he's not going to make money it's so hard yeah so i don't want i don't want to stress the family out i just wanted to go i told them i was just touring with the djs that i managed because i was still managing djs on the side as i was growing the bear girls project so when i found out about filming the jerry springer show it was around uh, november so they said you know we're going to film it in march it's going to air in may so i had to sit down with my family at thanksgiving and say hey guys i've been djing under this alias and i've been wearing a a costume so you guys didn't know it was me but i need you to know i'm doing this and the jerry springer uh crew have asked me to reveal myself on the show Mm. so you know it's crazy thing leave the tour go go film this and I I looked at it as a, a massive troll because Bear Grylls in itself was a troll at the beginning to begin with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what bigger troll to do than being on the Jerry Springer show <laughs> where two two million people watch this show, you know? Crazy. And... and it was cool. They brought in a they brought in an EDM crowd specifically for the show, so it right. wasn't like these you know old people being right, like what right, the right. hell's going on? I don't know. And it was pretty hype. You know, I played a couple of new tracks, and it, it helped in in the recognition. Obviously, it helped in the recognition factor. It was more of a, a funny troll though, because I still you know see friends who are DJs, and they all the first thing they say is jerry springer right. i can't i can't get away from it fans at, at least once a show people say i can't believe you're on jerry springer i saw you on jerry springer or this and that so it was it was cool it was a great step in the evolution at that time
2: definitely so, so did you find yourself kind of like you know taking a sigh of relief after it happened or did you find yourself like worried about you know, I don't know why yeah. there would necessarily be a backlash, but, but just meaning, like, now all of a sudden people know who you are when before you yeah. had the anonymous uh, kind of protection.
1: Yeah, it was – it was the anonymous – the anonymity was cool because there was a bunch of theories that it was Skrillex or, you know, it was one of these right. top DJs at the time. And I, I really played on that. Sure. Because that, you know, if someone thinks it's Skrillex, they're going to care more about it. Mm-hmm. And my big concern was that I'm going to take this mask off, and they're going to say this is just some random dude.
2: Right?
1: It's not Skrillex. Why? How? Why have I been following this guy for so long? You know? Right. But no, it it was mostly po- it was all positive. I, there was nothing bad. They all just said, "Oh, okay, cool. It's you know, it's a dude. It's it's a guy named RJ." Mm-hmm. And at, up until that point, it it was kind of kind of sucked because. I read an article about Uzi and Uzi was like very, very secretive at the beginning of of his, his plight up as, you know, being a worldwide touring DJ. And he always said, it sucks because I can't go to after parties. I can't enjoy things that a normal DJ can enjoy because I have to keep myself Mm -hmm. covered at all times. And I experienced that. I couldn't, I could just go and walk in the crowd and nobody would know who I was. They'd just be like, "Oh, some random dude." Right. And and it kind of sucked that I couldn't enjoy the fruits of, sure. you know, being this big touring DJ. So after that, I'll never forget. I don't I don't particularly remember what city I was in, but I walked on stage to kind of go set up before before I was going to play and I I heard several people scream, "RJ." Mm. And it just kind of took me back because that was the first time it ever happened. Somebody had recognized me outside of you know someone I had known previously. Yeah. So that was cool. I, I think I think in the long run, it ultimately helped my my brand because I was I'm able sure. to I was able to connect with everybody on a more personal level as opposed to seeing this character on stage and then not. Seeing the personal side of, of who he is as a person, because up until the point before I had revealed myself on Jerry Springer, it was all sort of um, robotic type tweets, social media posts, or only dealing with the brand. After I could talk about personal things and my personal life, and mm-hmm. things that you know people say, "Oh, he's actually a human and he's a good guy."
2: hey if you're enjoying this one let's go back in the rebel radio archives check out my interview early on with casper and Rusko, two of the early dubstep pioneers Um, they were on the the verge of their reunion which i think i want to say was back in 2016 17 something like that and uh they gave us some great insights into the history of dubstep and kind of where it was at at that time it's a good one So, if you're talking to up and coming DJs today, or or maybe you're, uh, let's say you're giving a graduation speech at uh, UCSD, um, would you tell people to have an alter ego? Like, should we all do that? Or, or you know, or would you would you approach it differently now, knowing what you know now than than you did?
1: I I, I would. But when I say no to the alter ego, I mean the costume part aspect sure. of it. Sure. I think having a great brand is the number one thing. Like Jaws, for example, Yeah, he doesn't wear a mask, but he has a great brand. The name is great. The brand is great. He can do so many different things. If I look back on my own experience, I wish I could still do Bear Girls, but not necessarily have to wear the bear head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's just caused so many problems with me. Uh, physically wearing that you know i'm like a football player basically jumping jumping around with a helmet on it's just not good for your body yeah so in that sense i I would think branding is number one importance i don't think wearing a costume or a helmet or a mask unless unless it really does pertain to the to the brand
2: so tell me what does that mean (laughs) going forward how are you thinking about your brand you know from here out
1: as far as just like music,
2: well, you know, I think I, so. You, what you're saying is, at one point, you know, your brand was really tied up in the bear head, and to some extent, it still is. But you're out there now. You know, I think you you become now more than that because everyone knows yeah. you're a real person, right? So, I guess if you look at you know what you're doing now or the next couple of years, like what do you want that brand to be? What's what's the vision?
1: Well. So to speak on the bare head real quick, I don't wear it for the whole set anymore. I'll wear it, you know, 30 minutes on, take it off Mm -hmm. where again, I kind of go back and forth while I wear it, but I've really worked hard over the last couple years because as I, as I have just spoken earlier that I, I set out to make music that sounded like everybody else's. And that was a way for me to kind of fit in with the current, climate of, of music back then is the dubstep was I mean it's still big but at that point sure. in 2013 everyone was saying dubstep is dead dubstep is dead but obviously we've seen a, a big revival but um once I kind of reached a, a a level of of I guess I say how how big my brand was I decided that I wanted to focus on making music that was more meaningful and not just sounding like everybody else's. Mm-hmm. And that's when I kind of hooked up with Dim Mac back in what I guess it's been a little bit over a year and a half since I've been releasing with them, but I I didn't want to all of a sudden do a 180 and be like, "Hey, I make dubstep bangers, then all of a sudden I make a very emotional song." Right. But this album, Demons, uh, I decided that I really wanted to go the route of making some melodic music and some meaningful music and, you know, putting lyrics behind it that actually meant something. And it just happened that two years ago, I, I... I've always been very strong emotionally and mental health and whatnot, but living on a, on a tour bus for three months, going to China eight times, you know, basically living on a, on a plane and hotels, it really got to my mental health. And I, I got to a point where my anxiety, my depression, everything just hit a wall. And it was as if there was just growing and growing and growing. And then, you know, smack me right in the middle of the face. Sure. And so I wanted to start writing songs that reflected my real life current situation. And when I decided to write the demons album, I wanted the lead single of that to be a melodic track that had meaning behind in my life. And I had spoken to run. She's a vocalist. She's a vocalist on run. Mm -hmm. And she, most artists I come across that tour and and do these things in the spotlight all have some sort of inner demon that we're facing, whether it's anxiety or depression or anything. So, you know, we just started talking and I said, Hey, I have this instrumental. I would love to talk to you about a theme. I want this to be the title track to my album. And we just sat down one day and we talked about all of our mental health and emotional issues or things that we had faced in the past. And that's that, pretty much just wrote the lyrics to that song nice and she said all right i think i have enough i'll come back the next day she came back the next day first take knocked it out of the park and she she was so astonished she said i you know most most people need so many different revisions of of lyrics and i said you honestly just knocked this out of the park everything that i wanted Mm. is in there and that kind of became the theme to my brand for the last year and a half is because so many people are suffering from mental health and their inner demons like addiction is another one of them. And nobody, nobody really wants to talk about them because they're ashamed for the kids that are, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. They don't want to talk about it with their friends because their friends are going to laugh at them and they don't Mm -hmm. want to talk to their parents about it because their parents are going to get mad and you know, just get mad because they're not a certain way. Mm. So I dedicated my voice, and my brand to, to this. And, and about a year ago, I opened up my personal email and said, Hey, look, if you have no one to talk to, I don't want you to feel alone. Email me and let's talk and let me, let's, let's work through your problems because I was a recovering uh, person of, you know, what happened to me, I, I was able to self-medicate and and get better. And I, I yeah. just learned through different things how to treat my anxiety and how to treat these different things that were ailing me. So, so I thought, you know, sorry, go ahead.
2: Yeah. Can you share some of that, what, what you learned and what, you know, as you said, these are, these are challenges that affect everybody. And, uh, you know, I'd love to know what kind of tools or um, you know, what's, what's helped you the most?
1: Well, well, the first foremost, I've always treated my career as just something that's fleeting in the sense that I don't get caught up in the, I don't get caught up in praise. I don't get caught up in being, you know, this person who people look up to. I, I, I always look at my situation as I'm a, I'm a human being just like everybody else. So when this time that I I'm enduring right now ends, I'm not going to be stricken with uh, you know, needing attention and needing all these things. Mm-hmm. So that was a big step for me is that I go out and I treat everybody the same. And I don't, I tell them not to treat me like I'm a DJ they look up to. And so that's a big, a big thing for me. So when I'm home, I just, I act like a normal person. I, when I'm on the road, I don't change. Mm-hmm. And when I started going through all these problems, I, I didn't have a drinking problem by any, any means, but I was like everybody else. I would like to have a drink to sort of relax right. at a show. And sometimes you have a couple extra, it was just a normal thing. And I think the first, first thing I did when I started noticing that I was having some problems, I quit drinking. Mm-hmm. So it's been almost two years since I've had a drink and it, it was a great first step for me and not feeling hung over in the morning when I have to fly across the country or, you know, fly to Asia or wherever it had to go, that was a great first step for me and just keeping my head clear.
2: I mean, I think that's a great lesson that, you know, we use these things, you know, alcohol, medication, whatever to, uh, you know, to help us, they're coping. Right. But, but sometimes they don't have, sometimes they do more harm than good. Right.
1: Def- definitely. And that, that was the thing, you know, you put on weight when you're on the road. So obviously drinking doesn't help. Right. Second thing I did is I cut out meat and I I did a lot of research on meat and dairy and processed foods. And obviously it really helped that I I got to travel the world because I would go to Australia Mm -hmm. and I would see that they're not putting these things in their, their food like they do in in the States. Right. And I, I really educated myself on food and nutrition and I started noticing that everything we eat, they add sugar for no apparent reason. I mean, for obviously for it to taste better, Mm -hmm. but fat and sugar and all this stuff is added to all of our foods. And that was contributing. I just felt that that was contributing to me kind of being a little overweight. That was contributing to a lot of things mentally because we don't need all that sugar. People drink sodas and, you know, all these things and I don't, I don't drink soda, I drink only water or fresh squeezed juice, and I think the diet part the second part of my my journey and cutting off things was another one of the biggest steps for me just cutting out processed sugar and processed foods and meats and dairies and all the fats yeah that really helped me to That's feel huge. better to have more energy and to kind of just tackle these problems. I just think. I became a lot better at being self-aware when I was going through something and I would figure out different ways to help the situation. The biggest thing for me was to say it out loud. Mm. So I would tell my girlfriend, hey, if I'm having these feelings, I need to just talk, tell them to you so I can hear myself saying them because when I hear myself saying them, I I realize how stupid it sounds. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And that that was, that was probably the, one of the bigger things too, is that I would say these things out loud and be like, why do I feel this way? I'm the most fortunate person on this earth. I know I work hard, but I make money. I'm not struggling. I get to travel the world. And when I hear myself say that out loud, I'm like, I shouldn't have problems. I should, I should be strong and I should realize how lucky I am. Yeah. And and that was a big. I, I read a couple books and you know did research on how to overcome these inner demons and whatnot. And that was probably the biggest lesson for me aside from the diet was that just talking and saying them out loud and getting them off your chest, because then you start to realize how crazy it sounds.
2: Hmm. That's big, man. That's big. I appreciate you sharing that. For um, sure. <clears throat> uh you mentioned early on that you know you're and i noticed your instagram is very uh motivational you know sharing a lot of inspiration and positive messages um how does so how, how does that fit your brand
1: it's uh, to be honest it doesn't okay. <laughs> that's the that's the funny part it it you know when you think of dubstep brands, you think of all this right chaos, chaos and loud music and weird noises but i think i've been able to do a good job just to be motivational for these people because i've gone through it Mm -hmm. and i practice what i preach i always wanted to make sure that i wasn't one of those guys who pretended to do something just to be cool on social media. And I wake up every morning and I I do my best to stay positive and I do my best to work as hard as I can and do everything I can for everybody around me. And I just wanted my personal side to reflect more, which doesn't necessarily correlate with dubstep, but I, I, I feel like I've done a decent job in kind of connecting the two because it's okay for somebody to be a certain way and to like different things in my opinion. And and that's one thing that I preach to people is don't be afraid of who you are. If someone's going to laugh at you, they're not worth it. Right. So for me, just because I like heavy dubstep and I play heavy dubstep doesn't mean I can't be motivational or have feelings. And I think that's a big step for me because it's, it's sort of teaching because you know, the demographic of people who follow me are, the younger generation 16 to 24 and i think they need to know that they, they they shouldn't be afraid to have a voice i just think the culture online is so harsh anytime anyone does anything that someone doesn't accept or approve it's like they just ridicule and kill these people online yeah and that's tough
2: well i also think you know like you say it's off brand but i also feel like um Going off-brand sometimes is an important part of building a brand. Definitely, like I don't know if you agree with that, but but I feel like if you're just hammering the same message, the same image, you know, it's kind of always on script, then, you know, it doesn't resonate. People want to see people being human.
1: Definitely, and they want to see people evolve as well, and I think that's one Mm. big reason why a lot of. I guess social personas, whether it's acting or singing or you know music, is that people don't evolve. If people, everyone evolves, whether they realize it or not. And if you're not evolving your brand, then I just I think it's it's just going to slowly die out. You can Absolutely. only be successful at you know things change, trends change, the world changes, everything changes. You can't expect to stay the same for for the duration of that. And I think. A lot of people who have followed me from the beginning have seen this evolution and it's good. I've I've been putting out a lot of melodic music and and I I notice a big difference at my shows. Previously, two years ago, I would go to the show and I would see nothing but guys in the front row ready to headbang and mosh and do all this stuff. And I recently, one of the last shows I played in January, I noticed the first five rows were all girls. Mm. ready to ready to cry to all the sad boy songs (laughs) that i'm gonna play in my set and that's cool see you know there's that old adage is like if the girls like it the boys are gonna follow because the boys are gonna follow the girls for sure that's that's a big thing but i just think that there's uh there's opportunity for me to to do both i can play heavy dubstep and i can play melodic music and i can release both there's no you know there's no limit to what I can do there's no restriction saying oh, if you play heavy dubs if you can't do this. So I just think that is a you you do bring up a great point. It's like I am in a way standing out and evolving my brand even more by just letting myself be human. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which it which has been tough because you know I post a photo of the bear me and the bear head I get a million likes and I post a photo of my face I get like half the likes. <laughs> Yeah, I get it, but it's it's about adapting and and uh, curating that change to to the people who follow you. Right. I think they're they're so used to me posting the memes, or mm-hmm. you know, I built I built the Bear Girls brand at first with memes and and womanizing and that type of stuff, and now that it's changed so drastically, it's just all about curating your content for the people because I think people don't necessarily know what they want to see, but they'll react to it over a course of time. Like I, I post these inspirational quotes and you know, they, they regularly get more likes than anything else I post. Yeah. And that's cool.
2: No, that's great. And I think it, you know, I know, you know, everyone's trying to be a social media strategist, right. And kind of figure out how to, how to get the most likes or the most engagement or grow their following or whatever. And I think, you know, you have to, um, you have to balance that, right? You have to balance the performance with what am I actually trying to say and what do I want people to think about me or what do I want them to take away from something. And even, like you said, even if it gets fewer likes, that doesn't mean that it's less valuable.
1: Definitely. And it just takes time as well. You know, you can't just all of a sudden 180 make regurgitate. I always called it regurgitated dubstep because it sounded like everybody else. You can't mm-hmm. just all of a sudden go from one. Thing to another overnight it's just a slow gradual change where i notice that i paid i'm i'm such a overthinker and i pay attention to everything when it revolves my brand and i look at who's following me who's commenting who's liking and i can see a difference i can mm-hmm. see there's a lot of more sort of influential influencer types that are following me because i i put out empowering songs like the track i did with nev was sort of like a a woman empowerment song that you know she broke up with her boyfriend and she doesn't need him anymore she's Mm -hmm. smiling without you basically was the title of the song and i noticed that's become an anthem for a lot of these people online that post about breakups and you know being a stronger person and that's cool
2: that's great so what are you most excited about next
1: to get over this damn virus man i want to go back to playing shows <laughs> no, i'm sure no i'm, I'm excited man i I've, I've got a lot of music that's unreleased and um just i'm always trying to trying to think one step ahead and i just think i would love I, i'm very excited to evolve even more and Make a a set that has all the emotions, and that's what I want. I, I I don't know if you're familiar with the the cover of the Demons album, but yeah, um, on half of it is half of the forest is colorful, and the other half is black and white. And the other half that's black and white is the human side, and the colorful side is the bear side. So that kind of signified for me that you know, even though our lives can be dark and grim in real life, we use music and we use concerts as an escape to go and to escape this reality and have fun and let loose and to me I don't want people to come to my show and just rage 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 headbang mosh I want them to experience all the emotions and that's that's kind of why I decided to to make and release melodic music and music that has meaningful vocals because I want it to be and I tell this this a lot but I, I want peaks and valleys I want people to sort of, you know, ramp up their energy for 10 to 12 minutes and then bring it down, chill out for a little bit, hang with their friends, get a little bit emotional and then come back. And it's just like peaks mm. and valleys through the course. And it's almost like telling a story through the music. Yeah. And that's cool. I don't want to just, I don't want people to come and be like, Oh, I heard this set before from DJ so-and-so it's the same thing every time. Right. Just kind of, kind of want to stand out. Yeah. I love that
2: nice well um let me get to a little lightning round before i let you go for sure um what's your favorite city to travel to
1: city paris yeah hell yeah <laughs> i'm sure that one is a common yeah i love paris common
2: who's your favorite dj
1: Who? that's a tough one <laughs> favorite dj uh, just dj wise or producer wise or that that kind of
2: um who's your favorite dj that you've seen
1: live I, I think Hero Bus is one of my favorites. Trampa is one of my favorites. Mm. Those two are probably Trampa is. He's just phenomenal. He'll he'll mix like two to three songs at a certain time, and nice. just things that you would never expect to go together. He's just he's just creative, and I think obviously D, today today's world DJing is sort of a lost art. Most of us are just going up there mixing from song to song, sure. and not doing you know scratching and all this stuff. So. It is cool when somebody like A-Track or one of those guys actually has turntable skills.
2: Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned some books that, that were helpful to you. What's What's the last great book you read?
1: Oh, man. The last great book I read was Bitcoin Billionaires, actually. Okay.
2: Nice. Um, what movie have you seen the most in your life?
1: The most in my life? Ooh. Let's think about. I, so I'm a, I'm a very cheesy romantic type person when it comes to movies. The I think the movie that I've watched recently the most would be about time. Okay. And most people probably don't even know that. Movie, no, I don't it's know a, it. it. It's a great one.
2: Okay, I'm gonna check it out. We got time on our hands to watch movies right now, so
1: yeah, right. Yeah.
2: Um. Oh, so uh, if if you think back throughout your life, what what style of yours? Are you glad is behind you and not out on social media?
1: Style as far as fashion. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Oh man. Styles. Probably the baggy pants. Uh-huh. I just, you know, I look back at to what people wore in the 90s and I'm just like, those things, you could jump out of a plane and survive because your pants are so big. So big. And the thing is, is you know, I wear joggers and more tight fitting pants nowadays yep. and it just it just makes sense that they're tight it just it doesn't <laughs> make any sense that they're baggy and I, I remember you know the cuff of the back of the jean would go underneath the, the oh, shoe yeah. and it would get all ripped and whatnot it's like yep. i don't even understand why that was ever a thing <laughs> this pants to actually fit i hope that never goes out of style that's, that's funny
2: that's funny uh, if you could wake up tomorrow having gained any quality or ability what would it be
1: any quality. I think if I could gain uh, something to help people around the world more, that would be great.
2: Dope. I mean, it sounds like you're doing that. That's cool. Um, last one. If I worked for you, what's something I would hear you say over and over?
1: Ooh. Um, what do I say a lot? I, I'm. I'm a pretty... I'm, I'm very neat. So it's probably like close that drawer, put that pen away, something, something along those lines. I just like to be very orderly. I just, my life is very chaotic when I'm dealing with four different agents across the world and my manager and all the shows when I'm home, I like to be very orderly and neat. So it's probably something to put away. Yeah. I know. I know that sounds lame, but I'm I'm pretty lame when I'm home.
2: <laughs> no, but I think having your space the way you need it to be is, you know, we all have that. Some of us definitely, are, you know, some of us are fine with a mess, and we know everything is. Or some of us, you know, we we just need it how we need it. Yeah, yeah, I get it, man. This is a great for conversation. Sure. I really appreciate you making time. Thank
1: you, man. Yeah, of um, course. I got nothing but time right now, man. For sure,
2: for sure. Well, we'll definitely be watching what's next, and and you'll have to come back on the show when uh, we can get together in person.
1: Yeah, anytime. I'm I'm in I'm in Southern California a lot now, so we'll definitely have to get up there once this is all blown over.
2: So appreciate you. Yeah, that was Bear Grylls on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, make sure you hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever you like with a comment. It's at Rebel Radio Net. You can leave us a review on iTunes if you want to. Um, And you know what? Come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.